getting, getting really clear on what your mission is, what do you want, what is the result you want, and calendar your time. Even if you're not super busy yet, mm-hmm. and I talk about this with new like baby realtors, if you don't have a team, if you don't have an assistant, if you don't, you ha- you're not on chapter seven yet. You're on chapter zero. Mm-hmm. You're figuring your life out. Calendar your time and hold yourself accountable to doing what you don't want to do at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the Enneagram? Well, if you have, then you are going to love this episode. And if you haven't, you're going to learn to hear all about it. And today's guest is a dear friend and an expert in all things Enneagram and really use those results to guide you to business and life success. Juliana Cox is a dear friend of mine that I have known for years and actually one of the very first bloggers that I ever knew. She then turned her blogging success into sales strategy, being one of the top real estate agents in Nashville, Tennessee. And she used those results of her Enneagram to help build an incredible team of fellow agents that also uses the Enneagram to drive sales in their business. I took the test during this conversation and was blown away by what all she had to share. Now I'm a number three, which is called an achiever. And when she started to explain it, it made total sense. What I love most about this conversation is how she really shares how to use your strengths and your weaknesses to really drive you to optimal success. If you are someone who has ever been curious about the Enneagram or really just curious about learning more about what makes you tick in your personality, you're going to love this episode. Now, of course, you can go to juliesolomon.net slash 128 to get a free download transcript of today's episode as she goes through all of the different Enneagram types, and I don't want you to miss your type. Again, that's juliesolomon.net slash 128 to get your free downloadable of today's awesome episode. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Jules. Jules. <laughs> Jules is our in the house. J and J. J and J. Oh my gosh. This is just so incredible. I'm so excited to be here with you and to have your magnificent wisdom shared um, with our incredible community today. I think this is going to be a really amazing, fascinating, and um, incredible story and conversation for people. So I'm really excited. I'm excited to share. Yes. We're reunited. Yes, we are. So (laughs) speaking of which, um, I'm Julie, obviously, and this is Juliana, but we both go by Jules. Spell it a little differently. A little bit. But we're Jules. We're the Juleses. And and we met about 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like babies. Yeah. A decade ago. So what's really incredible is that Jules is... and was at the time, she's, you were the first fashion blogger that I ever knew. And at the time I was living, I actually had met you when you were still living in LA Mm -hmm. because your best friend, Christina Mm -hmm. lived in Nashville where I lived and Christina and I are friends. And so you would come to town and you would visit with Christina and that's how I originally met you. And then you and your now husband moved here. And so I remember you being in LA and you were a fashion blogger. Yeah among other, other things. Yeah. Um, and so I want to talk about that for a little bit because that's what you did 10 years ago 
which, and you're so creative and I know we're going to dive into that, but then over the last 10 years since then, you have really innovated into sales and marketing. You're at the top of your game in real estate in Nashville, Tennessee, which if you guys don't know, it's one of the hardest, hottest real estate markets hottest and hardest. And hardest. Yes, <laughs> you got it, it is it, in, in the country right now. Yeah. And so you've totally just gotten at the top of your game in that. And then you have also really dove in and become an expert in what is called Enneagram, which right. some of you might've heard what that is. We're going to be talking a lot about that today. So let's go ahead and just kind of dive into, to that journey of going from fashion to real estate and then, and then how Enneagram kind of tied into all that. Yeah. So right now, even intuitively, as you're replaying my own story to me, <laughs> the word that comes up is just expression. Yeah. I was expressing myself through fashion. Um, but it was quite external. Mm -hmm. It was very, um, fun to play with a blank canvas. I love fashion. I love designers. I would wake up and study, you know, who was doing what, what was, you know, Nicholas Gasquiar's inspiration for this month's, you know, or this quarter's Balenciaga line quarter. Notice how I said quarter. I'm in sales now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) This season, (laughs) season quarter. And I, I loved expressing myself that way and sharing sharing why I was choosing certain lines or a, a way to do an ensemble through a blog because I think I was starting to understand what it looks like to hold space mm-hmm. for dialogue mm-hmm. and for community online. And it is wild that it was so long ago. And since then, it's I've actually gone backwards and like less offline and more into in-person holding space of community. And throughout that experience, I think... I realized as a young woman, I was expressing in an effort to seek a reaction from another person. Mm. I was excited to have reaction to my outfit or have a compliment or have something that was helping me feel more confident Mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't able to give that to myself yet. Right. So it was that external validation piece. Yeah. 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 You know, 20 to 24 years old, we are essentially an extended version of our teen selves. Mm -hmm. And I think women, you know, we get thrown into whatever it is. We're, we're in college or we're, you know, some people go jump right into a marriage. Some people go um, and get right into the career that they end up doing for a little while. And we're really exploring our identity mm-hmm. in this very fragile way in mm-hmm. our early 20s. Yeah. And how did LA, because when I think about a lot of bloggers today that kind of start out that aren't in, say, a New York or a Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of like where they may get their ideas to even do one is that they see it on Instagram or they see it on Facebook or Pinterest or whatnot, but you were kind of in, in that flux at the time. So how, how was living in LA at that time at the forefront of blogging? How did that really kind of mold and shape your, like your path? Yeah. I think that I, one thing I did right is that I really started to be conscious of the comparative behavior that women innately have. Mm -hmm. And I would really try to just focus on, I'm going to, I'm going to do this post because it in my gut, in my body, and we're going to talk about body types and Enneagram and how that relates. But in my gut, I intuitively felt like this is what, this is the post I want to do. And it was always ending with some type of empowerment or a question to the reader to create dialogue. So Mm -hmm. it was like, I think I've always had the instinct to hold space and have dialogue or challenge people to look at something a different way 
through creativity. Mm -hmm. And so I think blogging at that time was the way that I did that. And I think I watched other bloggers monetize really quickly. They started, you know, getting the ads and everything on there. It was like Blogspot at the time was like Mm -hmm. it. And Mm -hmm. I don't even think Tumblr was out yet, but, um, I think I fell out of love with the hustle of it. Mm -hmm. I just was looking around and I'm like, I don't think I can put all this in here. I had a regular job. Plus I was blogging like four hours a day. And I think if I'd had mentorship at the time, if I'd had someone guiding me to say, Hey, like you really have a skill set here. Like look at these things that you have. That's why I was such a firm believer in coaching or mentorship because we have blind spots to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think if someone had, I had some type of authority or like mentorship around me, they could have helped guide me through that whole process. And maybe things would have ended up differently. Yeah. So did you essentially kind of pivot just due to kind of a multitude of things? Your Mm -hmm. passions were changing, obviously monetization and just like needing to start to, to build a business and income. And is that kind of how that started to kind of take place? Yeah. I think I honestly, what fizzled it out was a cross country move to Nashville. Mm -hmm. So I fell in love with my now husband, John, and he's from Nashville and we came to visit and I just felt so pulled here crickets at night and the Mm -hmm. lightning bugs and how (laughs) kind everybody is here. And I think I was just tired of LA and I felt not congruent with anything I was doing there. I didn't feel passion. I was just doing it because it was good money, you know? And I was working for Warner Brothers at the time. So I self-inflicted a full-blown reset (laughs) and it was rough. It's amazing. (laughs) That first year. But you kind of have to go through that. Sometimes we have to blow our lives up to sort the nonsense and the mess and figure out what we want. Yeah, it's true. Someone once told me that, you know, whatever your challenges, your issues may, you know, internally, right? Like if it's lack of confidence, if it's judgment, if it's self-righteousness, if it's perfectionism, whatever, we kind of have to hit rock bottom on Mm -hmm. every single one of those. Yeah. In order to really like step into what we're meant to do. And and it really comes back to self-awareness. So for you having a little bit of that self-awareness, how did you then decide like, okay, real estate, this is, this is like, this is what I, this is where I want to go. Yeah. So I love people. Mm-hmm. I love guiding people, mm-hmm. very projector of me. Human design will be a different podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, guiding, being, being there, seeing somebody, acknowledging somebody, I'm very good at seeing people. So I came back to Nashville, a full blown, full on just lowness, borderline depression, mm-hmm. like blinds drawn laying in the couch until three in the afternoon, struggling Mm -hmm. to know what was next for me. And I have such a heart for people who go through massive transition like that because it is hard and it is lonely and it is even harder when you're coming off of what was considered a great job. Right. So, you know, if you're in a job that you feel miserable at and you don't feel like you have the courage to like I just said, like blow your life up and start over. Having that support system around you is everything because you lose sight of what you're great at. Mm-hmm. And it's devastating. Mm-hmm. And I am a very hard hitting, tough, like I got this charismatic extrovert. And mm-hmm. I was knocked down by mm-hmm. this transition and this decision to start over yeah. and figure out what is my career going to be next. 
And our generation, I think, deals with that so much more, obviously, than our parents. People go through seven to 10 different jobs in their 20s. So I think for me, it was understanding that my identity and who I am is not drawn up by my level of productivity Mm. and it's not my work. And so I went through like some serious eat, pray, love for a year. And, uh, my grandfather and my parents kind of flipped real estate growing up and did projects like that. And I thought, wow, you know, I could do this. I just need to go get licensed, like highly organized. I'm a great persuasive type of personality. And I just dove in and (laughs) didn't look back. Mm -hmm. And it was right before Nashville blew up and became like one of the hottest markets in the country. Right. And um, I'm just not salesy at all. Mm -hmm. I'm about like listening, connecting with my client. Mm -hmm. And I let them know, you can put me on a level 10, you can put me on a level one, whatever pace you want. But when you decide like this is the house, I it gets crazy. Yeah. The bulldog comes out and I will deliver for you. Yeah. Yeah. I will make it happen. Yep. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business business for sponsoring the show. So I want to talk about that when you were talking about the transition, because I feel like anyone who leaves their, and I know this, you grew up in Chicago, so this Nashville wasn't necessarily your hometown, right. but you you had friends here. Like whenever you leave somewhere and go, and go somewhere else that, that is bigger, yeah. you know, and I think of this in terms of New York and LA, cause I've, I've done that twice. Right. I went to New York and came back to Nashville and had those same exact feelings of just like mm-hmm. on paper, I had the coolest job yeah. and I was working with like all these bands and it was amazing. I wasn't making any money, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you was, felt important, but I felt important. I yeah. felt like I was like following my dreams. And then it was like, I came back home and it was like, womp, womp. Yeah. you know, it's like you have that feeling. And even the transition from LA to Nashville, it's really interesting that that in some ways I feel like we, we, we force those situations in order to really heal. And you may not even see that at the moment, Mm. but I think especially for those people who may go to a bigger city in which they came from, or maybe a similar city to, to really chase their dreams and find themselves in all of that. And not to say that it didn't work out because it totally serves you. I'm sure your time in LA completely served you exactly how it was supposed to for exactly how long it was supposed to. It, It was a place where I cut my teeth professionally. Exactly. Yeah. For you to be the person, the the professional person that you are today. Um, But I think that for those that that may have experienced that, I think that's such an important thing to note that they're not alone in that 
feeling. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And and to know that you will have many seasons mm-hmm. like that. And it's not just leaving a job or moving. You know, it might be a relationship. It could be healing that you're dealing with with someone in your family. It mm-hmm. could be you allowing a dream that you thought was yours to die. Right. And go, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And I know that the road to get what I want is confusing and understanding even what I want in the first place is confusing. Yeah. But I got me. Right. I can do this because I'm not going to leave me. Yeah. And just coming home to yourself. Yeah. And I want to touch on that because what you're, I think a lot of people feel like they have all of these different passions. You know, they may be, they may be curious about a lot of different things, but they feel forced like they have to fit into this box or you know, sometimes even pick one, which I kind of have a, I have two thoughts on kind of differentiating thoughts on that. But in the beginning of really trying to figure out what you want to do, what is your, what are your thoughts on that idea of, I've got all these ideas, I've got all these passions. I don't want to stop doing something that I love to do, but I can't quite figure out which way to pivot. Mm, That's a great question. So I have two schools of thought around that. I think if you have more than three passions and you have a day job and you're already feeling taxed, fatigued, and stressed, you either need to take and calendar maybe every Thursday and every Saturday and every Monday where you devote full time to that passion and see and and monitor how it makes you feel. Like, do you, you know, like women know you will feel totally lit up in your body. And it might be that you sit down and meditate a little bit before. And, you know, if you hate meditating or you don't do that, just getting your mind still so you can react to the energetic feeling of what you're doing, I think is vital. So either calendaring a time out to push that ball forward and see how you feel and or take time off if you're able and go on a trip and just read and journal and explore. I think every choice and every step forward towards success comes from understanding what your body's telling you Mm. and how real that is and getting in touch with that intuition, you know, because we can sit here and look at, you know, successful people or this girl has this many followers or this girl, you know, seems so happy with her husband and I just can't find Mr. Right. Like everyone is going through their own specific energetic sequence and what you're in is special and you do have so much to share and you just have to wake up and like be present for that mm. and love yourself and know that everything's going to turn out exactly as it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That be present piece I think is so important because in order to do what you're saying, at least from my experience, I've had to be really still yeah. a lot of times and I've had so to get really hard. quiet. Yeah. And it's I've had to hard. kind of do nothing. And for someone, which we're going to get into the Enneagram yeah. in a minute, for someone who has a really hard time doing nothing, like that's, that's a big you. challenge. Yeah. That's, that's a huge day. challenge. So for, for a lot of, you know, and you see it in people, I think a lot of people love to stay busy because, so they just don't have to deal with themselves. And you know, I even say that with any type of blogger or entrepreneur or influencer or, or anyone who, you know, basically works for themselves, yeah. um, you know, a, an influencer who doesn't have a business or an entrepreneur who doesn't have a business is just like a really popular person on Instagram. Like yeah, it doesn't necessarily, yeah. Really good personal brands. Yeah. Like that's, we're flooded with that right now. Right. Yeah. But I know a lot of people who are, you know, Instagram rich and 
you know, bank poor, Yeah, you know? And so it's like, and not that money has to be the driving force for everyone, but I think that there's this illusion that their life is perfect and they make all of this money and they just sit back. It's very destructive. It is. It's very destructive. For for us on a sociological level, it's destructive. Yep. And I think it also too, it gives us the excuse that we don't really have to show up Mm. and do some of the work Yeah, that's huge. because it's kind of like, well, this girl just kind of like, she looks this way and she's, you know, she's with this community of people and she works with these companies and she aligns with these brands and she's sitting front row at fashion week. And, Mm. you know, she doesn't have to sale anything. She doesn't have to show up and do the work. And I would love to get your thoughts on that because that's a big thing that I hear from my community a lot is like, sales is sleazy, Julie. Sales is slimy. Like I don't, I don't, I shouldn't have to know how to sell. Like, why can't I just be the influencer that creates the content that has like the beautiful photo on Instagram? I shouldn't worry about budgeting and marketing. Why do I have to know finances? Mm -hmm. Why do I have to sell? I don't like that. It's icky. I love everything you're saying right now. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on that? whole thing just lit my hair on fire. Mm -hmm. Yes. Gosh, so much to say here. Number one, all of that is fear of rejection Mm -hmm. because your ego is out of wackadoo, out of whack. Pick up Ryan Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy, study it, highlight it, take notes, get a grip on what you're (laughs) feeling because you don't want to be told no and you don't want to feel rejection. That is normal. We are protecting ourselves. We are all protecting that little girl inside of us that experienced rejection on the playground. Mm -hmm. And that shit was rough. (laughs) Yes, it was. So (laughs) understand, say thank you. I see you, ego. I appreciate your protection, but I got it from here. I'm going to take this risk and I'm going to put the work in and I'm going to squeeze this rag and get every single last drop out. And I'm going to be able to say, I did that. Mm. I created this. I produced this. And through grace and gratitude and me being present for myself, I created the result I wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to bounce back to the word busy. I could have an entire <laughs> series with you <laughs> about the glorification of busy. Mm-hmm. It is glorified in mm-hmm. our culture. And for me, acting frenetically overworked and busy, because I'm a type eight and we'll talk more about that, that looks weak. To me, that yeah. looks like you can't handle your, your shit. shit. Yeah. Like you're not the control. person that I want doing heart surgery. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I want Yoda in here, like get it together. <laughs> right. So getting, getting really clear on what your mission is, what do you want? What is the result you want? And calendar your time. Even if you're not super busy yet. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this with new like baby realtors. If you don't have a team, if you don't have an assistant, if you don't, you, you're not on chapter seven yet. You're on chapter zero. Mm-hmm. You're figuring your life out. Calendar your time and hold yourself accountable to doing what you don't want to do at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And that's really my mantra. Like do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And when you just push through and do it, you feel so strong mm-hmm. and you get that feeling of the second grader that like hits the baseball for the first time and everyone cheers and you're like, I did that. So it all comes, all that like flexes that muscle of confidence in yourself and it matters. And selling, I don't care if it's real estate. I don't care if it's, you're a blogger. I don't care if you are um, working in a corporation, you work for Nissan and you're going in to negotiate a higher salary. You have to know your worth Mm -hmm. and your value. And that is a universal and global practice that 
never ends. Yeah. You have to know how to pitch. You have to know sales. Yeah. Like we're, we're all selling something. And if you don't believe that you're not being honest with yourself. Exactly. And even if you're not selling yourself and you're selling a product, the belief in that product and the belief in yourself is still going to energetically like permeate the space. Yeah. And you don't have to be the boldest, biggest, most charismatic hair flipping, you know, woman that walks in the room. Like you can have quiet strength. You can have really strategic and slow confidence where you don't need to come in and bulldoze the the aura of mm-hmm. selling something. You can be an introvert. You can be quiet. I think it's really important for people to hear that because I think in sales, people think, well, I'm just not like boisterous like that. I'm not that, you know. Yeah, I'm not an extrovert. Come in and, you know, yeah. just like wow everybody with my powers of persuasion. So I think for people that are, you know, a, a type, nine or a type three, not, not a type three, but a type nine or a type two, or you're more of like a quiet, more submissive, like type explore that and then figure out what your strength looks like. Mm -hmm. And if it's a little more quiet, great. Leverage that. There's Mm -hmm. less of that. Mm -hmm. You have a lot, you have a lot right there. A lot of power there actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of the types, I want to dive into Enneagram. Okay. So um, I first want, if you could explain for, for those who may not know from your experience, Mm -hmm. What is Enneagram and how did you start getting curious about it? And then how have you used it to shape your life? Yeah. You guys, Enneagram is a game changer. I, full disclosure right now, I am not a coach. I'm not accredited. I am an avid lover of the modality and I've been reading about it for five years. So full disclosure there. Um, I was introduced to it through a friend and... The Enneagram is a modality of nine different ego types. Where it came from is controversial. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really a mixture of like mysticism, Judaism. There's some mixture of Christianity in there. There's um, some Kabbalah work. There's some Buddhism. It's basically like all of the beauty from all these different ancient religions mixed into this. What I experience is more of like a psychological map Mm -hmm. of human behavior. Mm. So enneagraminstitute.com is forever and always going to be all of your best resource if you guys want to start diving in. And so at the enneagraminstitute.com, you can go and take the ready test and it's $12 and you're going to answer about 144 questions. Some of them you'll be like, I am neither of these things Mm -hmm. at all. Or you'll have a question and you're like, Geez, I'm both of these things, you know, I don't know. And so what's happening is you're answering questions based on maybe like you have a really close tie with another type. And at the end of that test, it's going to spit out all the points and the way you scored on all nine of these ego types. And from there, the work is to read about probably the top three things you scored in. Let's say you scored really high in type two, one, and nine. You would read about each of those types, and then you're going to identify as one. Mm -hmm. I think that's the largest misconception around the Enneagram right now because it's becoming wildly trendy, which Mm -hmm. I'm so happy for. I think that shows that on a sociological level as a whole, everyone is seeking Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. We are in deep, deep search mode. Yeah. And you and me are (laughs) super here for that. Yeah. Like, we love this. We do. Right? And so to see it misconstrued or not educated about when people just think, oh, well, this is what I tested as. I'm a type three. It's like, well, are you? Like take some time and dive in in and, Mm -hmm. and read about it. So 
essentially the nine ego types are what I like to call your behavioral motherboard default. Mm -hmm. We're all, all these things. We're all, all the types. I think people shy away from the Enneagram because they go, oh, it's like Myers-Briggs or DISC and you can't just like back somebody into one little type. And I'm like, no, (laughs) this is so much bigger than that. You can move around the model, different types grow and stress to different, you know, other types. There's so much here. So to kind of do a very brief overview of each of these types, um, I'd like to first say that the way that they have them divided into three different triads is what's fascinating about it. So you've got the body triad, Mm -hmm. which is known as kind of the instinctive gut type people. Mm -hmm. You have the cerebral triad, which is the thinking really heady type space triad. And then you have the feeling heart triad and they process emotionally. Mm -hmm. So in sales, when you learn the Enneagram so much that you can at least, maybe you don't know that the person you're pitching to is a type one, or you don't know that they're a type eight, or you don't know if they're a type six. If you learn enough about this modality, you'll at least be able to tell this is a cerebral type, right? or this is a body type, right? or this is a feeling type. And you will absolutely curtail your pitch or whatever you're trying to do to land more efficiently with that person. Yeah. It is powerful stuff. Yeah. So- to go through each type triad briefly, you've got the body triad and you have the type eight asserter challenger. Mm-hmm. This is my type. Mm-hmm. Uh, female eights get the worst rap <laughs> because they're very assertive. Yeah. And in our society up until now, and we're moving things as women, but that was considered like the bitchy strong type. Right. And so the eight, their whole desire is to protect themselves and protect their inner circle. Right. They're all about avoiding weakness Mm -hmm. and they do not want to be leveraged. Right. So it's a fiery type. Right. Um, You see a lot of Capricorns that are eights. Yeah. (laughs) Type nine is the peacemaker mediator. This type has an incredible ability to see like the 30,000 foot view of everything at all times. They call the type nine, the crown jewel of the Enneagram. Mm. And this type is a great team leader. They see everyone's position at the same time. The low side of that type is that sometimes they lose their own opinion about stuff because they don't want to cause ruffles. Right. This is also a body type. And then the type one is the perfectionist or reformer. I think if you sit and interview a type one, they would prefer to be called a reformer. They're here to reform systems. They're about value. They're about ethic. They're about law. A lot of these people work in nonprofit work. They're they're about justice, right? Uh, much like a Type Eight, but they want things done the right way, and mm-hmm. they love systems, and they're really good when they're in the right lane. And the Type One is also a body type. So inside the body type, it's considered sort of the, also an anger, rageful triad. Um, the cerebral is considered the fearful triad, and then the feeling types are considered like image and shame. Yeah. They're, they're driven by sometimes some guilt. Yeah. So the type eight, I like to describe has that like fire of rage in their belly all the time, but at the high side of their type, when I say high side, I mean like they've done their work and they're healthy right. and they're really trying to live at the highest level. They can regulate their anger and they can use it for good. Right. The type nine feels the anger in the body and they sort of just fall asleep to it because mm. they don't want to confront mm-hmm. the type one denies it. Mm. They feel it, but they deny it. And so they try to correct external systems to sort of like calm that inner fire. Yeah. And so for me, some huge growth there was like, I do feel 
powerfully about things. And I do have that sense of anger when there's an injustice Mm -hmm. and quite literally when I turned 30, I'm 34 now, I learned to give myself like a timeout. (laughs) Hey Siri, (laughs) give me five minutes. Let me, here she is. Here she is. Doing it for me. (laughs) And give myself five minutes to get out of lizard brain and calm down. Yeah. So loving and accepting yourself through that and knowing this is just something that I have. Right. Uh, So that's the body type. The cerebral type are your uh, type five investigator, Mm -hmm. type six skeptic mm-hmm. and type seven, your adventure enthusiast, mm-hmm. adventurer and enthusiast. So this type is not going to process immediately through body and gut and instinct. They're going to process through their logic. Right. These are analytical, critical thinkers. These people are brilliant. Yeah. We're all brilliant, but right. they're, everything is processed through the head. Yeah. And so if you're a body type and you're married to a cerebral type or in relationship or in partnership or even in business, you're going to process things really differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say, intuitively, this is what I feel. We're going to Spain tomorrow. Right. And the cerebral type will be like, I need to research fairs and right. have a spreadsheet and I'll let you know in three months. Right. And the body type is like, I'll see you later. Right. <laughs> I can't wait for that. So it's, you're already there. I'm there. You're welcome to join me. Uh, so it's, it's really fascinating to get outside of just studying your own type and studying others because you realize how we communicate. Right. So uh, the five investigator loves research. They love data. They can never have enough information. And they love sharing that with people. Yes. The type six is the skeptic. And I find that a lot of the literature around the type six throws such a blanket of anxiety all over them. And yes, they do. They have a lot of anxiety. This type is going to double guess, question everyone around them, question themselves. They Their job is to get and gain that inner peace in their yeah. mind. Yeah. But the six is danger scanning Mm. and they threat forecast and they are harnessing and holding that burden for everyone around them because they love them and they want them to be safe. Right. So type sixes will get a rap for being a Debbie Downer and it's like, no, they're just literally being sure that we're all okay. So the joke about the type six is when the plane goes down, they're like, I got this. (laughs) I've been waiting my whole life (laughs) to do what I'm here to do. I feel like that's my husband. (laughs) He's just like ready for the crisis yeah. at all times. Yeah. I'm married to a type six. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I'm so grateful because he forecasts that stuff for me. Yeah. So I'm like super grateful. Yeah. And you're like, womp, womp. He's like, no, I'm just forecasting. Exactly. I am just forecasting. I know. This is my intuition. Right. Right. <laughs> the type seven is the adventure enthusiast. Our dear friend, Christina yes. is a type Such seven. Such a seven. She's the 70th seven, seven. And this type avoids pain. Mm-hmm. They don't want to confront it. They don't want to hear about the negative nonsense. They're mm-hmm. like, let's have a good time. Mm-hmm. They come into a room and they are the light of life, the joyful. They can walk into a business meeting and just infuse a team with so much like oomph. Yeah. You know, they come yeah. in and they're just the light of life. So we have a Ellen on our team as a seven. Yeah. And just, she's just light. Yes. Just light. Pure sunshine. Yeah. Pure sunshine. Yep. And where our work comes in to support the seven is that they could possibly be in a lot of emotional pain and they're Mm -hmm. pushing it so far down. Mm -hmm. So when you see a seven booking a lot of trips, (laughs) you know, they're in crisis, (laughs) right? They are running, running away. away. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, So there's all, I mean, we could go on and on. There's all these different little idiosyncrasies to each of these types. Um, And we, did we talk two and three? No. Okay. So we're, we're moving out of the cerebral triad. We've covered body, we've covered cerebral and we're moving into the feeling heart types. So these people are 
complete empaths. I mean, these people see you, they feel you, they can attune into energy in an incredible way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their work is to not take on energy that's not theirs. Yeah. Yeah. They will come in and just digest the aura in front of them Mm -hmm. and it becomes part of them. So like it's, we can get into a whole other section here around energetic cleansing, but to really cleanse at the end of the day, maybe even throughout the day in the morning and just release what's not yours. Yeah. Because these feeling types are just emotionally genius. Mm -hmm. And so you've got your type two, which is the helper and the type two is the most thoughtful, considerate person, you know, Mm -hmm. they will come in and they will remember every birthday. They'll remember that you said you liked chocolate covered pretzels and they'll bring it to you the next time they see you. Right. They are so, they're here to serve. They want to support and they want to deliver beautiful experiences in hope that they'll receive it back. Yeah. So the hard part about the two is that they are not direct about what they want. Mm. And there's this whole other world of childhood wounds and why we all sort of develop into these certain types. Um, but the childhood wound of the two, I think is really important to note. It, they felt at some point that their needs were not important. Mm. So they just served. Yeah. And so the joke I talk about when I teach workshops on this, you know, if we're supporting a nonprofit cause or something, I'll do some small workshops for free. The two will put the blanket on you when you're sick mm-hmm. and they will hope and pray that you put the blanket on them when they're sick. Yeah. And when they're sick and you don't, watch out. It's about to get lit. Yeah. They're going to be pissed. Yeah. It can be pretty scary. Um, so you got to just know when that person is really a supporter and they're here for you, like be sure you give it back. Yeah. Or encourage them to ask for what they want. Yeah. Get direct. I love a type two, man. Oh, they're just the sweetest. Type three is the achiever. <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) We have a type three in the room. We do. My name is Julie Jules. (laughs) She has done quite a lot. Yeah. I'm such a type three. I'm so in awe of you. Yeah. The three is an in-action type, you guys. They they get shit done. They get really clear on mission and they will... These people are energizer bunnies. Yeah. They genuinely are just machines. Mm -hmm. And so the three is taught that by accomplishment and by getting that trophy, by getting that number one place, they receive love and recognition through the accomplishment. Yeah. It just, it makes me smile hearing you talk about it. I'm like, yes, exactly. I accomplished something. I'm doing good. Yes. It, well, that actually, it's interesting you just said that. So the type three really thrives on affirmation and validation. Yes. Words of affirmation. Huge. Yeah. I have an agent on my team who's a three and I'll just say in the middle of the day, you, your gut was right on that. The way you talked to that client was super good. You are so, you're really understanding what you need to be doing here and you're doing a great job. And it's like absolute gold yeah. for her to hear that on yeah. like, on a spiritual level, Mm -hmm. you know, like she needs to hear that. Um, the threes work is that they will push down what they're feeling Mm -hmm. for a long, long time. (laughs) And it will just simmer. Just like a kindling. Just like a volcano. Just a small volcano. (laughs) That one day, one day, (laughs) ta-da! Watch, clear the room. It bursts and the lava kills everyone in its path. (laughs) Much like an eight. Yes. So threes and eights find each other a lot. Yes. Threes and eights make 
great business partners. Yes. <laughs> so the three, their work is to check in. How are they feeling? Yep. And honor that and know that that is not weak, mm. much like an eight. So the three is an incredible boss. A three is an incredible coach. A three is an incredible uh, type that can work really hard for you and support your vision. And as long as you're in alignment and as long as they're feeling valued, these are incredible people. Mm -hmm. They're incredible. The type four is the individualist or some literature refers to the type four as a romantic. These are the gypsies Mm -hmm. of the world. Mm -hmm. They are unapologetically themselves Mm -hmm. whilst constantly searching for Mm. themselves. Yeah. They need and long to know the authenticity of their identity and existence and purpose Mm. in life. It is the most, mm, gosh, misrepresented type. They're not understood. Mm. They feel alone. They walk into a room and they think, I just don't fit, Mm -hmm. but I also don't want to fit. I want to be different. Mm -hmm. I want no one else to ever experience any energy other than mine. Right. (laughs) It is like a total dualistic personality of you want to fit, but you also don't, you want to be different. And fours tend to, quite frankly, if I'm being honest, they blow their lives up more often than most types Yeah, because they don't, if they don't authentically feel congruent with something, they'll burn it down. Yeah. Unapologetically. Mm -hmm. And they will search for the next charge. Mm -hmm. So the fours work is to get that inner piece of I'm more than just my identity and how people perceive me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to perceive myself in this way and know that I'm ever changing and always evolving, but honestly care less about what the world is sort of thinking of them. Right. And that's for all the feeling types, the two threes and fours, they are in that image based triad. Yeah. They care. Yeah. They care. Yeah. At the low side of their type, they care. Right. It matters. It matters. And so understanding what degree of that and how much that's affecting your choices is really important work for those feeling tribe. I kind of joke that the two type feels everyone around them, but doesn't feel themselves. Mm. The three feels everyone around them feels themselves also, Mm -hmm. but pushes it down to get the task done because the emotions feel unproductive. Right. We don't have time for that. Don't have time. Yeah. (laughs) We got to get shit done. We got to get shit done. (laughs) And when I reach X goal, I'll go to Bali and meditate and it'll be fabulous. And I'm just going to like Lance six years out of my life on a beach. Yes. And then I'll come back and get more shit done. Which (laughs) also feels like a task. Exactly. Yeah. Even meditating, you're like, I did this. Yeah. That's what that idea of like, I had a therapist tell me once, she's like, you need to do nothing. Mm. And I was like, panic attack. Yeah. I I felt like someone had like come inside my brain and like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, I was like, "Mm -mm." I am like, I became a robot. robot. Yeah. I was like, opt out, opt out, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Like it's happening. Yeah. Eject from the car seat. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Mm. She was like, take a bath. And I was like, okay. So, so step one Mm -hmm. is I take off my clothes. Yeah. And then I walk into said bathroom. I like candle. Yeah. And I like candle. And then I get uh, said Epsom salt and I put it in the bath yeah. and then I, I get in the bath. And that's like step eight. So you've yeah. done eight things. So I've done eight things. <laughs> and then when I get in there, oh, and I can't t- t- take my phone and the, is the light on or is the light off? Light, okay. Lights on. Yep. Okay. And then, and then I sit there and then what? And then, and then what? you do nothing. What does that bring, um, what does that bring up for you? Yeah. Um, I think, it I mean. Feels, it feels like. Fill in the blank. Let's see. And today, 
it, it, it honestly feels like in theory, it sounds like a really beautiful moment. Mm. Um, in theory, in theory, Mm -hmm. in practice, a beautiful moment at the same time, a little bit of guilt. Yeah. Because I, there's like, you know, should I be doing something with my kid? Does somebody need something? Mm -hmm. Should I be checking that email? Yeah. So a little bit of guilt. And I think that if you would have asked me that five years ago, six years ago, it would have been, I would have said it feels impossible. It feels anxiety ridden. It feels so overwhelming. Like And this whole thing, by the way, guys that are listening, that's type three, but it's also women. Yeah. We do this. Yeah, we do. We reject self-care. Yeah. Because it feels selfish. Yeah. We've been trained mm-hmm. to feel that way. Yep. That's fascinating. Yeah. Guilt. And then I even, you know, I figured out like for me to have self-care, I still have to do something like getting a facial. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's me like too. my self-care me too. and I, I'm getting a massage, but I'm still doing, yeah. you know, there's still like there's an action. Yes. There's an action. I accomplished making my muscles feel better today. Mm-hmm. I accomplished having you know, smoother skin and getting my, my pores unclogged today. Yes. Like I, I can check it off the proverbial list. The proverbial list. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, well, we're so alike in that way. And Mm -hmm. the threes and eights share that the threes and eights are the most in action types on the model. And that's not to say they're better or worse or anything. It's actually like they're exhausting. It's 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 actually quite exhausting. (laughs) I would love to be a type nine that can just like lay and be, um, I, try to consciously wing to the nine as often as I can. But the, the biggest lesson that came over me, and I don't know how this came, maybe it was spirit, something intuitively washed over me a couple of years ago that said, resting is an action. Mm. Resting is productive. Mm. And you are doing your body good to rest and, and try to obtain stillness of mind. Mm. And I am still working on that. Mm-hmm. Some days I get it. Some days I don't. Most of the time I don't. It is hard. It's hard. It's hard. Yep. And I think as I've gotten older and had children and just kind of got exhausted with being exhausted, yeah, that's also helped with just like, oh, I can sit here. Yeah. Read a book. Yeah. <laughs> Do something. Yeah. But to me, like that is like doing nothing. Yes. Same. Reading like, feels yeah. restful to me. Like reading a book feels restful to me. Um, and I'm feeling really called to say this right now. This is coming up. Mm-hmm for moms that are listening and they're probably driving down some highway right now in a car and there's a child screaming and they're like, listen to these two girls talking about stillness. And wouldn't that be so nice to have time to have self-care and this whole wave of women that are talking about, oh, like, it's fine. You just need to go get a massage for yourself. Wouldn't that be great? Like, I don't have the money or I don't have the time or I don't, whatever. I get that. Mm -hmm. I hear that. I hear the frustration in that and it feels very not attainable. But the truth is, you have to put yourself first and you have to get into that stillness of mind. Even if it's just getting in the shower and sitting cross-legged in your bathtub and just get telling yourself a couple of things that you love about yourself in the morning. Yeah. It can be that. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, it is. Thank you for that. Yeah. It is important. So from here, you, you mentioned the wings. What are the wings? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people will take this test and they'll think, oh, I scored really high eight. And then my next score was a three. I'm an eight wing three. No, you can only wing to what's on either side of you. So I am a type eight asserter and I wing to the adventurer. Mm. So I tend, my personality tends to, when it morphs into something bigger than the eight, because we all do, I tend to exhibit behaviors of a seven. 
Gotcha. Here's an example. I had, I think, like 14 closings back in June, no, May. And it's it was, so achiever of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much. And it was a great month and I was so proud of my team. And I was like, this is awesome. I just was so excited that we, we exceeded our goal for the quarter. And when it was all done and I felt really stressed, I opened a bottle of cab and I went out on my back porch with my MacBook and I booked like three trips <laughs> and was like, and I've gone. earned the break. Right. You know, so that is, that is a stressor, like seven response, mm-hmm. the seven runs from mm-hmm. stress. Uh, so as a three, you would either wing to a two or a four. Mm. So a three achiever winging to a two would be really warm. They would be very of service. Mm-hmm. They love to support others. The three to the four wing can be a little bit more image-based. They're maybe a little bit more aloof even. Mm. They're going to like more time alone mm. where the three wing two is going to be charged by people around them. Yeah. And the idea of it is that you consciously wing where you think you need to go. Yeah. That's the goal Yeah, is to become so awake to yourself and so conscious that you can choose where you go. Cause you know I, what you need. Cause you know what you need Yeah, and you know, you can give it to yourself. I am like in the floor, no score on nine. I am not a peacemaker. Mm. <laughs> not that I don't create peace. I definitely do. Yeah. But that really mentally still type mm-hmm. that can really just snooze yeah. and like rest. Yeah. No, that is not here yeah. for me. Yeah. So I have to consciously work to get there. And that's why I have morning and evening ritual around meditation because it doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. Me either. And speaking of that, share with us, what is your morning and evening ritual? Yeah. Wow. So I love crystals. Yeah. I love me too. crystals. Me yeah. too. They're beautiful. They are. And they're from the earth and they're from the earth and they are beautiful in your house. And I got really into crystals in the last year and, you know, we're all made up of energy. We're all, we have stars in us. We have water in us. We have all these things and we're all part of the earth. So whatever you subscribe to religiously or spiritually, it's all relative. Mm -hmm. It's the earth. It's what we came from. Right. So I started a pretty massive collection of crystals and I have lots of lovely books. And so my morning ritual is I wake up and I snuggle my cats, (laughs) my four rescue cats. And I lay in bed for about five minutes and I just observe what I'm thinking about. Mm. I have, I have anxiety in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's hard. I wake up and the to-do list drops Mm -hmm. like immediately, immediately. I'm not even conscious of like how I feel. How does my body feel? Do I feel tight? Did I sleep well? Am I stretching? Mm. It's just, what's the next thing I need to do? Mm -hmm. So my practice of reversing that has been just observe the feelings Mm -hmm. and the thoughts, but don't engage them. Yeah. Then based on whatever anxiety I'm typically feeling, I'll stand up, I will stretch and I'll pick up a stone that I feel called to. Right. And then I will take that stone, uh, with my little brass bowl and get on my yoga mat and I will meditate for five to seven minutes Mm -hmm. max. Sometimes my brain is racing the whole time. Sometimes I get really still. I find that malleting a brass bowl and listening to sound was a game changer for me. Mm. Listening to something and not focusing on my own thoughts was huge. So any of those really busy-minded types, like a three, six, or, a, or an eight, mm-hmm. get get a brass bowl off Etsy or wherever, and you just ding it with a mallet, and it has this beautiful vibration to it, and it'll help you kind of calm. And I do that for about five minutes. And then I open my stone book, and I figure out what that stone represents. And every single time, it is exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. 
So I do that. Love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I know we have some stones here. We have some clear quartz. Is that Labradorite? Mm. We've got citrine. Citrine. We've yep. got Labradorite. Mm-hmm. We've got angelite. Mm-hmm. And my Andara star, Ooh. which is my big boy. My husband got me this after a big closing I had. It's beautiful. And this comes from the sky. Love it. Love it, love it. Jules. Jules. I'm so happy that you came and that you just shared your journey and you walked us through the Enneagram. I find it so fascinating. Mm. You know, I know that I'm a three, but I even want to learn even more about it now. Yeah. Um, So for those listening, if they, because what we love to do here, we love to screenshot the episodes, share them on social. They reach out to me and the guests. They let us know what they love. They let us know the breakthroughs they have. They let us know the challenges. So where can those listening find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Insta at Juliana Cox, J-U-L-I-A-N-A-C-O-X. And if you have questions about Enneagram or you want support, like I, that's my soul to lift and empower women around me. Mm -hmm. That is the truest part of my type is just to empower and hold space. So if you guys have any questions or want book recommendations or anything like that around the Enneagram, it's a beautiful thing to start studying. Yeah. You could slide into her DMs yes, <laughs> with your questions. With my questions. And if you're in Nashville and need a realtor, yeah, <laughs> you can also DM her for that. Yeah. Owningnashville.com. And we make the experience educational and fun because who doesn't love to just look at houses? Yeah, it's, it's like pretty HGTV fun. every day. Yeah, I and have a girlfriend a um, in LA, my girlfriend Alicia. And when she first moved there, she's an actress and she needed to just keep her inspiration cup filled. So she would go to open houses of like yeah. these monstrous houses that she would like, like these like, you know, $15 million homes. Oh yeah. They and have you like, you have to give proof of funds before you step foot. Yeah. It's like crazy. And so she, but they would have open houses and they would have like food. And so she would go and she would like get a free snacky meal. I love it. And like walk through all of these houses in the hills and in Beverly Hills. That's like best. her favorite thing to do. I understand. Yeah. And especially with HGTV, we live in this world where it's like, it's so important to get inside of a house and walk the layout and figure out what's there on an energetic level. Like this is where you're building your life and your memories. And yeah. so all of that is part of it. Totally. And so we take a very full aspect, full lifestyle approach to either getting you into the right house and saving you a lot of money or selling one and making you the most money that the market will allow. Yeah. I like to win. Yeah. <laughs> All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Oh, this was so amazing. Thank you again so much. Thank um, you for having me. So of course, guys, we do have transcripts of every episode that we do. So if you want to dive into this deeper and actually, because we all learn differently. Mm-hmm. Some people like to read things. They like to listen to it auditorially. I love to to print something out and highlight it. Yes. Of course I do. That Little re- achiever. That requires more steps. Yes, There's it does. printing. Yes. There's highlighting. Yes. It's amazing. Three, three, three. Three, three, three all the way. So if you want to do that, make sure to go to theinfluencerpodcast.com, click on Jules's link, and you will find the transcript in there that you can download completely for free. And of course, make sure again to give us the love on the gram. We definitely want to hear your thoughts and your feedback on today's incredible conversation. So thanks, Jules. Thanks for having me. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the influencer podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again. Same time, same place next week. Next time on the influencer podcast. 
I think if you're in the influencer space and if you're selling courses and coaching and things like that, then it's absolutely better to focus on one thing. And then once you get that running, you know, sure, the sky's the limit. You could you could really shift focus and start focusing ads on, on something else. But I would absolutely say choose one product, program, funnel, set up, you know, set that up, get ads up and running, get ads really dialed in and working well and scaling, and then shift focus elsewhere.